Good morning, everybody. So this morning, we're going to be thinking about that reading and asking the question, what does forgiveness really look like? But before I start, should we pray? Lord God, thank you that you're here with us. And thank you for all that we can learn from the gospel. And I pray that as we study your word this morning, you would speak straight into our hearts. Amen. So, here we are, two weeks after Easter. Now, in our house, and I I don't know about yours, we've eaten most of the chocolate Easter eggs already. And the, uh, the Easter gardens, well, they're starting to wilt a little bit. In fact, I think I'm going to have to tidy it all away in the next few days. Which can leave us wondering, what difference has Easter really made? I mean, we had joy and celebrations. If you were with us at 11 o'clock on Easter Sunday, we had balloons and party poppers in church. But what now? Has it changed anything? It all seems so very long ago. And I think, perhaps, that's how the disciples felt. They were a bit confused. Jesus had risen from the dead. They'd met him. And then what? Just what were they supposed to do? So, I suppose it's no surprise that we find Peter sitting by the lake and wondering. And perhaps it's no surprise that his first response was to say to his friends, well, let's go fishing and start trying to pick up on his old life, start trying to earn a living again. And then, after a hard and disappointing night, I mean, what a way work. He turns up and work and doesn't catch anything. After his hard and disappointing night, something happens that changes everything. In our reading, then we saw Peter meet with the living Lord Jesus, and he was recommissioned. And what a recommissioning! As they broke bread together on the beach, Jesus dealt with the past and assured him that he is both loved and forgiven. And he gave him a purpose for the present. And he gave him a hint of the future sufferings that he would have to undergo, but an assurance that it was all for God's glory. And this morning, as we come to celebrate communion, as we get ready to share bread and wine, then we'll think about these things and the relevance that they have to our lives. And most of all, we will be thinking about what it means to be forgiven and to be sent out by Jesus. But in order to do that, I think we need to understand a bit about Peter's life. We need to look back and see, well, we need to go right back to the beginning, in fact. Now, if you want to put a marker in your Bibles on the passage we just read, then Mark is going to come and read to us again. And maybe you'll want to flick back a few pages into Luke. So Mark, do you want to come and read to us from something right at the start of, uh, of Peter's life with Jesus. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gesenaret, the people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. 
Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Thank you. I think we can see the strong parallels between those two stories. And that story, when Jesus first called Simon Peter, well, that marks a real high point in his life. There he was, going about his business, when Jesus turned up and turned his world upside down. In that miraculous catch of fish, Jesus called him to leave everything, to follow him and start fishing for people, saving people and sharing the good news of Jesus. But imagine how he felt back then. His first response, we heard it there, was to be aware of his own inadequacy. Now, I think that's probably something that we can all relate to. If Jesus asks us to do something, we say, well, why me? What have I got to offer? You don't mean me, do you? But Jesus said to Peter, it's you that I want. And coming face to face with the holiness of Jesus, that's quite, quite scary, I suppose. But when we come to communion later, then we are assured that we can come face to face with Jesus. And then Peter's second response, what does he do next? Well, he pulled up his boat, left everything, and followed Jesus. Now, I doubt that he had any idea of what was going to happen. And it would be an amazing journey. And one where he would come to recognize Jesus Jesus, as his Lord and Master. He would call him Messiah, the Savior, the promised one who would come to save the people of Israel. And what about us? What journey are we on? I wonder where Jesus is taking us. Now we've said, well, follow him. What's he got in store for us? Now the parallels between Peter's first call and the story we had right at the start of this morning, well, they're very clear. But to understand it even more, then we need to jump forward in Peter's life. And this time we need to go to, um, well perhaps one of the lowest points in Jesus' life. You see, despite the call, despite all that Peter had witnessed as he travelled with Jesus, then in the last days, just before Jesus went to the cross, well, Peter didn't really understand what was going on. 
Do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, then, when the soldiers came to get Jesus, Peter pulled out his sword, tried to defend him, and cut off the ear of the servant called Malchus. And then Jesus commanded him to put his sword away. And then, in what I think really must have been almost the darkest moment of his life, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. And Mark will read these familiar words to us now from Mark 14. You can find it on page 965 if you want to take a look. But actually, before Mark starts, have it open in your Bible, but you might just want to close your eyes and listen. And just imagine that you're there in the courtyard and you're waiting while Jesus is on trial. Imagine the cold of the early morning and the deep chill that you feel when you've been out all night. Listen to the crackle of the fire and hear the hiss of the flames. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entrance. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around them, This fellow is one of them. Again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you're a Galilean. He said to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the cock crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the cock crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. There, by the fire, Peter denied knowing the man he had called the Messiah. There, by the fire, as his world fell about him, Peter did what he had sworn he would never do, and he denied Jesus three times. I bet he relived that night in his dreams over and over, how he'd let Jesus down right there at the end. I mean, perhaps it wasn't such an issue when he first met the risen Lord. I mean, the joy and excitement of that day, maybe it didn't matter. But then, well, once the excitement had worn off, how do you think Peter felt? I wonder if it was playing on his mind as he, as he took the boat out again a week or so after Easter. And then... Even as he dwelt on his failures in the cold of that night when there were no fish and everything seemed to be going wrong, well, Jesus came and he turned everything upside down again. Just like the first time, Jesus told them to throw the net on the other side. Just like the first time, there was an amazing haul of fish. And realizing who it must be, 
Well, Peter jumped out of the boat and ran through the last hundred yards of the water, swimming and splashing to get to the risen Lord. And there, by the fire, stood Jesus. The other disciples, I'm sure they were overjoyed as they sat down to eat breakfast. But what about Peter? It's amazing, isn't it, how smells can bring back memories. And I wonder how Peter felt as he sat down by that charcoal fire to warm himself. Just a week after denying Jesus by another early morning fire. But this time, by this fire, well, Jesus was there, sharing bread and fish and welcoming him back with open arms. Jesus' death and resurrection had put everything right. Peter was forgiven. And yet Jesus didn't just try to gloss over it. Deliberately, beside the charcoal fire, he turned to Peter and asked him three times if he loved him. One question for each of his previous denials. Jesus took the past and rebuilt it. And by replaying Peter's initial call with that miraculous catch of fish, and by acknowledging and putting right the past with that threefold assurance, well, Jesus was showing Peter that not only was he forgiven, but that he still had a purpose. Despite everything, Jesus still wanted Peter to fish for people and share the good news. And more than that, He chose him to tend his lambs and to tend the new believers. So weaving together these great highs and lows from Peter's life, Jesus recommissioned him. But with a warning, the path wouldn't be easy. It would be marked by suffering. And it would end in martyrdom for Christ's glory. Jesus was clear to Peter just what the cost of discipleship for him would be. But Peter knew that it would be worth it. And when Jesus told Peter, by the fire, to follow me, well, he did. And we know from reading Acts just what God did with Peter. We know how God used him to raise people to life, to heal the sick. And when he preached Hundreds and hundreds of people heard the good news about the risen Lord Jesus, that they too were loved and forgiven, and they too came to faith. And that's what forgiveness really means. When Jesus forgives us, it doesn't mean that he just covers over the past. He takes it and rebuilds it. And using us as we are, he sends us out to live for him in his power. That's what he's promised for each of us. There, on the beach, Jesus met Peter where he was and broke bread with him. And this morning, we are going to celebrate communion. And Jesus will meet you exactly where you are and share his body, the bread, with you. And we remember that Jesus promises to meet each of us where we are and his promise is not just forgiveness but renewal. Yes, the cost of following him must be counted 
But I believe, just like Peter, that it's a price worth paying for someone who did so much for me. And it's only when we come to Christ and when we accept the gift of forgiveness and new life that we will live out our lives as the men and the women that God has designed us to be. And that's what we do, symbolically, when we gather together and share bread and wine. Now here in Campbell, we have an open table, and anyone is welcome to join us who's in the habit of taking communion or has previously been prepared for communion. We also delight in welcoming the little ones and blessing them, just like Jesus blessed the little children. Now Peter's story can be our story too. Jesus calls each of us in our own way to follow him. When we go wrong, he doesn't stop loving us. And that's the whole point of Easter. So now we're going to celebrate communion together. And remember that no matter what we've done, he welcomes us to this table. And he will share bread with us. And then we will be sent out to live and work for Christ. Amen.